This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Mr. I like that. Yes, yeah, the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk get the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Luka with the step back 30. Oh, yeah! Chris Stabs looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just want to ring, want to fill the gap on your team head. I ain't talking heads. Dang, go relax. Still at the champ. Diva still coming with the Calibus flow. The man's the best on the flow. I'm wild, but yeah, I'm the How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co host and Dallas basketball on SI colleague, Matt Galatson. Matt, the Mavs, they, they did it. They beat the Clippers in game two. Uh, they didn't just beat the Clippers. I mean, it was just a – it was a wire-to-wire win. Uh, the Mavs' biggest lead was 18 points. The Clippers didn't even – they never led. I mean, they got close a few times uh, in the middle of the game. But the Mavs, they just – they completely dominated that game. And it, it was so great to see because they, they struggled versus this Clippers team all year in the regular season, and, you know, now here we are in the playoffs, and they, if you think about it, they could, it's very realistic that they could have been 2-0 and in this series if KP hadn't been ejected in that game one. So, uh, super exciting game two. I was excited. Mavs Twitter was just absolutely lit. Uh, it was nice. First playoff win in a long time. You know, four years. I, I think the last playoff win was the the, the Raymond Felton game <laughs> against OKC, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Um, yeah. So I mean, it was it, it was it was awesome. I, I mean, I'm still I'm still buzzing from it. Luca had 28, eight and seven, and only 28 minutes because of foul trouble, but he was still great. KP was was good. He hit three or four threes. I mean, there, there's there's just so much positive to take away from that game. And uh, what what's your initial thoughts coming off of that win? Well, I wrote about it last night and also, frankly, after game one. They should have won game one had KP not gotten ejected. Absolutely. They should be up 2-0 right now in a series. And they've really, you know, outside of the bad start to the first game, which, you know, after the first time out, they settled down and came back and and took control of the game until KP got ejected. They have been the better team. They've been in control. They've been dominating. And, they're. I mean, if it's not for, you know, some zebra help, they're up 2 nothing on the number two seed in the West right now. Which is incredible to think about. I mean, that's 
especially how these teams play throughout the regular season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating because refs shouldn't be determining the outcome of a series. Yet we've seen that in years past, not just with the Mavericks, but, you know, yeah, there are certain teams that get the calls and certain players that get the calls and certain players that don't. Historically, the Mavericks have been the team that doesn't get the calls. And, you know, that's still continuing in this series. It's not like it didn't go away last night at all. But the Mavericks were just so much better on the floor than the Clippers last night that it, you know, it drowned out the referee interference. I I remember complaining to you multiple times while we were talking during the game, like, what are they doing? Like, what are these calls? What do they keep, you know, where are they pulling this out of their ass? Because – the you know, one, the one attack fouls, uh, you know, non calls on the Clippers that should have easily been fouls. I mean, it was all over the place. Yeah, the one that sticks out to me was it was it was later in the game. The Clippers they were they were attempting to make a, a last second push uh, in the in the second half of the fourth quarter there, uh, and I think it was Paul George. He got an offensive rebound. And he it turned into a wide open corner three for him on the opposite side of the court from where he got the the offensive rebound. But he dribbled out of bounds, like it was right there on the line, and the referee was right there in front of him. And they just let it go, and it turned into a a made Paul George corner three. And I was thinking, oh man, here we go. <laughs> oh, I, was I was furious about that. I was <laughs> so furious. Because it was right. I mean, you, you you can understand if the referee's like behind a guy and he doesn't have a good visual of it and he can't see it. But the dude was standing right there on the baseline. There's no way he couldn't have seen it. He did not see it. He chose to ignore it. Well, all I know is I I'm glad the Mavs played well enough to where it didn't even matter. You know, they only had nine turnovers. Luca himself had eleven in game one. He only had one turnover which is, in my opinion, the most impressive stat from him, you know, going from game one to game two. Uh, the Clippers had 15, so six more turnovers. The Mavs as a team, probably one of the better defensive uh, games they've played against uh, a big team, you know, like the Clippers. Uh, you have guys like Seth Curry and Trey Burke and – even uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, all those guys that aren't necessarily considered great defenders had high energy and they were flying all over the place and switching when they were supposed to. Uh, You know Maxie and Dorian Finney-Smith are going to do their thing, but it was great to see everybody just flying around and playing with energy. And they they were playing pissed off is what it was. You know, they (laughs) – uh, they they did they said all the right things after game one and uh, KP said all the right things and Rick Carlisle did too to to avoid getting a fifty thousand dollar fine uh, for talking about the referees but they definitely came into game two with a chip on their shoulder and it was a great thing to just see them break through and completely dominate the Clippers uh, you know the, for a young team only the second uh, career playoff game for Luca and KP. I mean, it was it was great. It was great, and no matter how this series ends up now, I think this is just a great starting point for them. It's something you can build on. 
Uh, they're definitely – I mean, they, they can win this series. I mean, it's not over yet, but I'm just saying even if they don't now, they have shown enough to where, in my opinion, you know, people around the league are going to start taking notice. And I think a lot of a lot of free agent guys, a lot of people that, you know, might potentially force a trade out of their current situations, I think they'll look at Dallas and be like, hey, that team's about to explode. We want to get on that while we can. Yeah, no, I mean, that's literally the title of my, my – uh, article last night was the Mavericks can win this series or something to that effect. Like it was, which I mean, for you and I mean, for you to say that people need to take notice because, <laughs> because. absolutely. I'm Mr. Negative. <laughs> and they, they've proven that they can hang. I mean, I, I last time we podcasted, I said, I think this is going to be a bloodbath basically. Yeah. Like, I, I, I didn't think – I thought that Mavericks were going to get swept. I thought that they didn't have a chance. Um, and I was wrong. I think a lot of people were wrong, not just yeah. me. But they've, they've proven that they can hang. And, I mean, sure, it helps that Luka is, like, playing in ultra instinct god mode. Which, I mean, I kind of think <laughs> – yeah. Okay. I get. Yeah. You. You've been saying that this whole time. But even so, you didn't expect him to be the fastest player to score seventy points in their first two games in the playoffs. Right. Have the best, you know, productive production game in his first playoff game in NBA history. You didn't expect that. Don't pretend you did. I mean, maybe not that no. specifically, but I mean, no. As many special things as Luca has done throughout his career, at what point do we stop being surprised by that? Well, you're never going to stop being surprised because <laughs> it was literally the best in NBA history. Well, I, regardless, I mean, I, look, before another thing we talked about before this series got started, we, it was vital that the Mavs hit their three-pointers because we said, you know, a missed open three-pointer is basically a turnover – and, you know, you just – you can't let the Clippers get out and running like that and uh, get quick, easy points off of a wide-open miss. And given the Mavs did miss a few last night, but overall they shot 13 of 29 from three. So that's, that's almost 45%. The, the Clippers, you know, and it's not like the Clippers – Paul George, he didn't have a, a good game at all. He only scored 14 points and shot four of 17 from the field. Yeah, that helped too. <laughs> and that that did help. But, I mean, they were playing good defense on him too at times. There were a lot of those three. He was two of ten from three. And on the majority of his threes, he had a hand in his face. So, they played good defense on him. Kawhi, there's nothing you can do with him. He got his 35 points, uh, 10 rebounds, uh, shot 10 of 21 from the field. So, Kawhi did his thing. He played 41 minutes. And Luca only played 28 minutes, and the Mavs still won by 14. Yeah, Luca was in foul trouble. <laughs> he still had basically a point a minute, <laughs> and he he I felt like he barely played in the second half. Yeah, I mean that 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 that's why everybody is now so optimistic about this series going forward because Luca he was still great, but he he only played he played. 13 minutes less than Kawhi Leonard did. And yet, and Kawhi had an amazing game. 
and yet, you know, they were still able to, to beat the Clippers. The bench, you know, the bench that we had been so concerned about came out and outscored the Clippers bench, who has Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Both of those guys are six-man-of-the-year finalists. And the Mavs bench outscored the Clippers bench 47-37, to 37, which is amazing. Uh, you know, give credit to Rick Carlisle before the series started. Uh, he moved Seth Curry to the bench and started Maxi Kleba uh, to, to match up with the, the Clippers' bigger lineup and to also give the bench more scoring, uh, more of a scoring punch off the bench with uh, Seth Curry. So that has worked. We both hated that at first, didn't we? Well, I didn't hate it, but I was wondering, you know, how, how that was going to turn out. But uh, I didn't hate it, but I was just thinking that. I think it was uh, – I think it was mostly Kirk that we were talking to that he was just like, oh, why are you going to mess with the, you know, the number one rated offense you've had all year or something like that. But anyway, uh, so Rick Carlisle, he, he does his best stuff in the playoffs. We've, we've seen that for years. Uh, and he's back at it again now because the starting lineup of Doncic, Hardaway Jr., Finney Smith, Kleba, and Porzingis that starting five was only used one time in the regular season. And it was a, it was a high-scoring win against the Pelicans. So, uh, Maybe they only, saw it once and they were like, uh, <laughs> this is good. We're going to save this. <laughs> exactly. It's like he saw how that worked. And he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to put that in my back pocket and just wait. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's working. And it really shows how, you know, how much, you know, when we complain – and we think we know better than Rick, and we say things like, uh, this is just a Rick, Rick special, or what the, what the hell is Rick doing, or Rick this or Rick that. He knows more than we do. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean people, it's, it's things like this that prove that, and we kind I mean, of people, just need to show up. And look, I, I, I have to say I get frustrated with Rick sometimes too, but I've never once, you know, called for him to – to be fired or anything, because I know, you know, as, as, as hard-headed as he can be sometimes, he's still a top three coach in the league, you know. Um, I don't – people that, that get so angry and, and call for, for him to get fired and everything, I don't think they're thinking about that rationally. <laughs> no, people that are calling for Rick to be fired are just idiots. Uh, I mean, there's a difference between questioning something he does <laughs> and – legitimately calling for one of the top three or four coaches in the NBA to be fired, (laughs) especially one that has the the kind of um, relationship that he has with, you know, his front office and his owner and and everything. It's, it's a very unique situation. Oh yeah. We're extremely lucky, lucky to have him. Yeah. And that's why I said, you know, no matter how this series ends up now, just from what they've shown us in two games, they've shown that they're capable of competing with a top-level team in the Clippers. And, you know, they're, they're only going to keep getting better with Luka and KP. It was only their first season together. They're going to keep getting better. Uh, you know, you've got guys like Seth Curry and Finney Smith and Kleba locked up on, uh, locked up on long-term team-friendly contracts. I mean – you take that and then you pair it with, like you said, the relationship between the coach and the owner and the GM, the, the whole, 
the whole situation is just a great one right now. And if everything goes according to plan, you know, they don't have a lot of cap space this summer, even though they could create it, but you could essentially have the same, the same main pieces from this roster going into next summer and a max slot available. So they could add, potentially, they could add a, another max player in 2021 without sacrificing any depth, which is rare, you know. And that, that's what comes with the territory of having a MVP-level talent on, your, on a rookie contract. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nice, isn't it? It, it really is. And, I mean, I'm, I'm already – I mean, I'm excited for the rest of this series with the Clippers, but I'm, I'm already kind of looking forward to next season and, and how great that, that's going to be too. So, but, yeah. yeah next, it, next season is, is something that's hard for me to fathom <laughs> right now because it's just – I don't know. I, enjoying the moment. I get it. Yeah, it's enjoying the moment, but also it's just like next season really is in a couple of months. <laughs> it really, yeah. Well, I saw a thing that uh, – I saw a report the other day that said they might start in February, so that would delay a little bit. What's that? Start, I would be a fan of that starting after – football is over I mean that seems to be the more that would seem to work more towards you know what the NBA is trying to do anyway I mean I get I get the idea of starting at Christmas but if you're ending in October with the NBA finals I mean that's you've got to squeeze the draft free agency uh, training camp preseason all of that in such a short period of time if you're going to try and start things back up and, you know, around Christmas. But so I, I'm with you there. I, I think February is probably a better, better idea. And then if you have to shorten the season to around what this one was, uh, do whatever you have to do. And then maybe by the next time you go into the, the following season, the, the 2022 season, things will be back to normal. But, yeah. But yeah, I mean that, that was exciting. I'm I'm so glad, you know. I, I forgot I forgot the adrenaline rush that comes along with watching <laughs> the Mavs in the playoffs, but not just that. You know, we've had we've had some uh, some playoff series since 2011, but in every one of those series, it was just like you you didn't have the same amount of hope that you do for this one. It, they were they were very overlooked in those series like uh the last one was against OKC and you had the the one miracle Raymond Felton game <laughs> you had uh, uh the previous one uh, the one before that was with Rondo he quit on the Mavs and uh, they lost in five and then uh, before that was uh, that the, the one in 2014 was a good one because you had the Vince Carter buzzer beater and they took the Spurs to seven but other than that one it's just been – there's been a sense of hopelessness. And even in that Spurs series, you just – even every time the Mavs won a game, you just knew it was going to be too good to be true. Uh, you know, <laughs> every time the Mavs won a game against the Spurs, it's like, okay, well, this was nice, but I really don't think we're going to win this series. And Yeah, because now, the Spurs would come back the next game and be like, eh, sit back down. <laughs> yeah. 
But now when you have a guy like Luca and you have the number one offense in league history and you have Rick Carlisle and Christos Porzingis that the Knicks just handed to the Mavs on a silver platter, I mean, it, I don't know. It's, there's so much hope going everywhere. This is my environment, Matt. This is where I'm going to thrive. <laughs> I'm, yeah. so, I'm so glad to have so many people joining me on this, on this uh, optimistic high I got going right now. Yeah, it's it's really your uh you know, your comfort zone. <laughs> I'm happy for you. This is this is where you belong. Well, it's just it's nice to have the Mavs back in a in a situation to where they they can be competitive on every single night. You know, that's what I said going into the playoffs. Yeah, the Mavs are huge underdogs. I mean, you got a seventh seed going up against a three-time champion in Kawhi Leonard. Uh, the Clippers, they're so deep. Patrick Beverly didn't play in game two, but, you know, he played in game one and Luca put 42 on him. So, <laughs> Yeah, Patrick Beverly, like, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here with that crap. Like, I mean, he's I would like to have had him on the Mavs, don't get me wrong. But there, I saw people on Twitter, mostly Clippers people, who were like, oh, you know, we didn't have Pat Bev. And it's like, it's Pat Bev. Like you still have quiet and, and like, Paul oh, Pat, Pat Bev. I mean, and I mean to be fair, Reggie Jackson he made some dumb plays in game two, but he also hit a bunch of threes. <laughs> it, it was at one point. I think he was like four of four from three at one point. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. He was doing well. He wasn't the problem. Yeah. The problem was the Mavericks played better. Exactly, and, and that's what you like to see. That's what that's what you like to see. You like to see that the Mavs came out and said, we're taking this. You know, it doesn't matter what y'all do. Y'all can fight back and make a little run, whatever. We're going to play better than you, and you can't beat us. And that was great to see. And I can't, I can't wait for game three on Friday. If the Mavs end up going they – like you said, they should be 2-0. and They have outplayed the Clippers to this point in two games. But, you know, if they, if they go up 2-1 – uh, stuff's going to get real, real crazy real quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what the, you know, it, it kind of felt to me in game one, a little bit like the, uh, the Lakers series in 2011, where yeah. it was like, we're just running them out of the gym right now. I mean, after the first yes. time. Out, like, and it, and I, I'm actually glad you said that too, because that was the Mavs first playoff win where they led from start to finish since game three of that Lakers series in 2011. Yeah. What I, what, what I saw from Mavs PR last night. Yeah. And, you know, they, they completely dominated in game two, even though they kept shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, had they not made all those, like, little ticky-tack mistakes that they made last night, they would have won that game by 20 points. Yep. And look – Another thing that's encouraging too, you know, Trey Burke and uh, and Seth Curry, they combined for 31 points last night, and they shot. Let's see, Trey Burke was seven of 11 from the field. Seth Curry six of nine, but Trey Burke he was 0 of one from three. He didn't even hit a three pointer, and Seth Curry was only one of three from three point land. So these dudes were attacking the basket, and Seth was getting to his sweet spot in the mid range and hitting down shots. I mean the they didn't settle for bad shots, which is what I love. They know that they can get past these Clipper defenders. Uh, they do a lot of 
there's been a lot of uh, what do you want to call it? Like double screens, you know, the Maxie will screen for Luca, Luca will go past him and then somebody else will screen for Luca. And it, it kind of sends the Clippers defense into a frenzy. I read somewhere the other day, I think it might've been Matt Moore tweet about it, but he was talking about how the Clippers individually, uh, they have a ton of really good defenders, but as a team, you know, if you send them through multiple uh, screens and stuff like that, they're not near as good of a team, uh, good of a team defender as they are individually. So I I really like what I've seen. It's worked for two straight games. If KP played in game one, we're probably up 2-0 right now. And it's just, it's such a great feeling. And if you get Seth Curry going from three, uh, if we get Maxi Kleba going from three, he was 0 for, 0 for two on his three-pointers last night. And uh, he's been playing great defense. He grabbed 10 rebounds. Uh, he even had three assists. So, I mean, he, he's playing well. But if we can get Maxie's shot going, I, don't, I just don't see how the Clippers can keep up if, if this Mavs offense is firing on all cylinders. So, that's uh, where I'm at. I'm super optimistic, you know, as is. But even I had some doubts coming into this series. And after what I saw last night, I'm – I'm on cloud nine. I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, I don't think Maxie needs to shoot. I'm not saying he can't shoot. I'm just saying if these other guys are hitting shots, he doesn't need to worry about it anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, if he, there's a couple of them where, you know, the, the Mavs, they're just slinging it all around on the offensive end. And by the time it gets to Maxie, he's got a, a wide open shot. So, I mean, if he's wide open, he might as well go ahead and take it because he's, he's capable of making it. He just, he just hasn't been able to do it so far in the bubble. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's I been nervous the, too. I think the real key, and you touched on it a little bit already, is the Trey Burke Seth Curry combination off the bench. Yes. I think that is dangerous. And dynamic, and and he's already he's already ha- he already has established chemistry with KP. So like when Luca's getting a breather, Rick will put KP out there, and the the Trey Burt KP combination has been nice as well. Yeah, um, and it's it. I wrote about Trey Burke like two years ago when they first got him in the KP trade. And about how he could be a spark plug off the bench and he could be what, you know, they needed J.J. Beret to be, but J.J. couldn't be anymore. And it just took two years for me to be right, or two years in a pandemic for me to be right. But I was right. <laughs> <laughs> it don't matter how long, it doesn't matter how long it takes, you know, as long as you're right in the end, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I would have shared the article, but it's on a competing site now, so I, I don't want to get that site clicks. But it, it's true. I could probably copy and paste it since it's it's I'm the author, but and uh, and you know one last point here from the game, you know Boban. I wrote about it before the season when the Mavs signed him. Historically, you know he doesn't have the he doesn't have the overall. What what, what am I trying to say? He doesn't have enough stats to make any official lists like his uh his overall points and rebounds and stuff like that. It Qualifying he, attempts. Yeah, he doesn't have qualifying attempts and stuff like that to make any official list. But if you just go by what he's done, 
he's like the most efficient player in NBA history in a small sample size. And so when he gets put out there, he makes the most of it every single time. And he only played 10 minutes in game two, but he had, let me see here. He had 13 points and nine rebounds in nine minutes and 43 seconds. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember, I remember uh, a certain db.com staff member who I'm not going to name. Um, was arguing with me one time about because I said, you know, Boban is a very good player. He's just so big that it's hard for him to stay on the floor for a lot of minutes. <laughs> and and this guy was like, well, actually, it's just because he's not a very good player and he's not actually very efficient. He just goes, you know, just all these different stupid stats. And I was like, no, I mean, like, watch him play. He's just so big that, like, he physically can't stay on the floor. Anyway. Exactly. Again, it's like there was one – uh, last night he set a screen, and I think it was for Luca. I'm pretty sure it was for Luca. He set a screen for Luca. Luca went and uh, took uh, Boban's man with him, and so it left Boban on Reggie Jackson, and he just pinned down Reggie Jackson, caught the ball, and just dunked over him like he was like it was nothing. <laughs> and I was oh. like, "There's nothing the Clippers are going to be able to do with that." <laughs> no, they're not. And oh. it's really nice to have out, have that different kind of dynamic out there when KP goes out because they're such different players that it causes the Clippers to just completely readjust how they defend the Mavericks. And, exactly. Uh, and, look, it was like we talked about officiating earlier, and I was kind of worried going into this one because of, you know, Scott Foster. He was the lead official. <laughs> and historically, I mean, the Mavs have, had, have, have been given fits by – uh, Scott Foster. So I was worried about that, but I've got to say as much as they made some iffy calls throughout the game and there to, you know, towards the end at the very end of the game, they made some pretty good calls going the Mavs way. So I, I have to give them credit there because, you know, Montrez Harrell, he was called for a pretty big uh, moving screen there towards the end when the Clippers could have cut it to eight or seven. And, uh, you know, they, they called a foul on uh, – oh, I forgot who they called the foul on. Maybe it was Paul George on uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. He drove to the basket at the end, and then Doc Rivers decided to challenge it. And I was thinking, okay, here we go. They're going to reverse it. But, no, they upheld it. They said it was a foul. Tim Hardaway Jr. hit his two free throws. It was great. Overall, great game. Can't complain. Mavs, they missed 11 free throws overall, but they got 37 of them and hit 26. So, I mean, like I said, they had they had some stuff they could do better, and yet they still won by 13. So, Yeah, well, I actually saw a pretty interesting stat on Twitter. I can't remember where I saw it. It was, it was last night, I think, so I'm not, probably not going to be able to find it. But it, it was that uh, the Clippers, either they're 0-7 this year with Scott Foster as a referee – <laughs> or they're like 0 and 7 in playoff games. Um, wow. With Scott Foster as a referee. And I was just like, oh, wow, we're not the only team that gets Scott Foster. <laughs> well, all I know is it was great to see them get a few calls at the end. And hopefully for the rest of this series, we don't see any kind of BS stuff like KP getting ejected for, you know, defending a teammate. So. That, that was a good thing. You know, we, we didn't see any of that. There wasn't any pettiness on either side last night. Uh, it was just a hard-fought game, and 
you know, both teams trying their, their best to win it. And, you know, the Mavs just came out on top. It's a good feeling. But I think, I think we've pretty much covered it all, Matt. Is there anything else you want to add before we take off? Um, no. <laughs> like I said, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that covers everything. But, guys, look, uh, definitely go – Check out our interview with Mark Cuban that we did on Monday. Uh, we've got that YouTube video up. It's also on all of your other favorite podcast platforms. He joined us before game one, and uh, we talked about how Luca and KP did during their first season playing together and how it lived up to his personal expectations and a lot of other other really good stuff. So that, that was a good one. You don't want to miss that if you haven't seen it already. So. Go check that out. Make sure to subscribe on all of your favorite platforms. Share us with friends. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All that good stuff helps us out. Uh, but, yeah, we appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good rest of the week. If all goes well, we should be seeing you for a, eventually for a recap pod of Game 3 as well. So, y'all have a good one. We'll see you next time. Take a step back, reminiscing about the old days When I hooped outside with my friends and drunk that OJ Crossover doing step backs in a pair of chains These days I'm by my chips like a bag of lace I ain't lying when I tell you people ain't the same How you real when you say your soul for the fame? Do anything for a dollar I'ma stay patient cause I know God promised me a lot of Looked up the Dirk and MJ instead of blue collar Excited at the idea of being a true baller Riding in the bands of copper and pilot Feeling like I made it, now they trying to holler It's how we thinking life's supposed to be Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters The more your network matters the more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.